0: Hello and welcome to the Love Your Library podcast, I'm Hattie Dulac, here today to share this exciting episode with you, where I catch up with representatives of Hampshire-based organisations, Artful Scribe, Winchester Poetry Festival and the University of Southampton. We were delighted to welcome Will, Eve and Matt onto the podcast to chat all about a mentoring scheme that they were a part of, which supported and celebrated the brilliant minds of talented young poets. The scheme, titled Poetry Ambassadors, saw the work of three exceptional young poets developed over time by working with their assigned mentors before being showcased at Winchester Poetry Festival and published. This project is a fantastic example of the ways that creativity within literary spaces can be nurtured and really help local culture to thrive. But enough from me. Listen on to hear the story of this journey from Will, Matt and Eve. Thank you all for joining me on the podcast. I think for the benefit of the listeners, perhaps it'd be helpful to go round the virtual room and give a little bit of a brief introduction about who you are and who you work for.
1: Hi, uh, I'm Matt West. I'm director of Artful Scribe. We are a writer development agency based in Southampton and serving writers in Hampshire and Dorset, kind of like a a wider Solent region. We offer young writer schools for 7 to 10s, 11 to 14s, 15 to 18s. We do writer residencies. We do special projects. We've got a women's writing group, writing for wellbeing group, creative writers against coastal waste group. The, The list goes on. So yeah, and we've been doing this kind of work since 2012.
2: yeah, I'm Eve Wright. I'm a poet. I'm currently studying biomedical science in Portsmouth, but I'm originally from Paul in Dorset. I have been a part of the Artful Scribe programmes and things since I'm going to make a rough estimate of 15, 16 years old, something around then, and I'm 20 now, so long time. I started off at the Lighthouse Young Writers back in Pool and I have been around ever since. I don't plan to leave anytime soon unless, you know, <laughs> I'm not welcome anymore. But in the meantime, I'm here.
3: Um, so I'm Will May. So I'm a professor of modern and contemporary literature at the University of Southampton. I was actually born in Basingstoke, very near a library. So Hampshire libraries are quite a theme in my life. And one of the things I research is contemporary poetry and the way contemporary poetry is supported. So it's kind of its infrastructure, its networks. And one of the things I'm really interested in as a teacher at a university is the way in which universities can help kind of support writers and writing communities in their areas as well, which is kind of how we all sort of became connected, I think.
0: Yeah, it seems like a very natural fit for all of you then. Different perspectives, but the same aim, I suppose. That's the point. So before we get into it, we're going to be talking obviously about poetry, about a mentoring scheme that you collaborated together to set up and work on. Just to begin, maybe we could go around and ask about what your favourite poet is. Who would you recommend?
3: So I'm going to kick off with somebody who seems like they're very reclusive, but actually mentors is quite important to them. So I'm a big fan of Emily Dickinson, who sets herself this really difficult challenge of writing in this really constrained form, but uses this constraint to do incredible stuff that's really imaginative. And um, she didn't publish much poetry in her own lifetime. But something that was very important to her was to write to another writer, and correspondence is quite important there, and to get their support and to send her poetry and to ask what they thought of it. And that, for her, was a really important part of thinking, I'm definitely a poet. Having someone else kind of recognise that was a, was a big thing for her. So I mean, she's she's quite an inspiration.
1: I don't really have favourite poets. It's really depending on what I'm reading at a given moment in time, I suppose. At university, like many people, I enjoyed the work of T.S. Eliot. And it was just so unlike anything that came before him. But presently, I'm reading a collection by a writer called Thomas A. Clarke. And Thomas A. Clarke is a modern Scottish writer. I think he's possibly in his late 80s now. And he writes in these sort of really tiny forms. I've got a collection here, uh, The Hundred Thousand Places. And One of the poems in them, and, and this is kind of the way it goes through as a sequence, is once again, for the first time, morning and just that you know the next poems kind of like lead in and they they fit in a soundscape and they're like interconnecting images so it's almost like the poet's footsteps across a page rather than you know this thing going down uh, in the ways in which we might anticipate to read a book and they're all about that size on a page there are maybe two poems each of three or two lines um, sort of set quite high up the page with a lot of white space around them
2: as much as i'm a poet embarrassingly i'm only sort of dipping my toes in because as someone in the recently come well recently it was a very long time well it feels like a long time ago it really wasn't secondary school where my poetry has been very centered around what they teach on the curriculum but i did like wilfred owen and simon armitage when i did poetry gcse
0: So that's good. I feel like that's a really good variety. Getting into what we're here to talk about, would you be able to give us a little bit of an impression of, you know, an overview, sorry, rather than an impression of what the project you undertook was and what you aim to do?
3: So we came together on a project called Poetry Ambassadors. So I was really interested in researching what history was of mentoring at UK Poetry and how it started. And I'm a great believer in doing the things you're researching at the same time. And so having worked with Matt Artful Scribe on a couple of smaller projects about community writing, I thought it would be great to work with him and then also with Winchester Poetry Festival and um, to think about setting up a regional poetry mentoring scheme. And actually, there were lots of similar schemes that were national. There were some based in Manchester. There were some specific age groups, but nothing really for the Solent. I'm a great believer that this is a distinct place with its own distinct literary identity. And so having it focused around Hampshire and Dorset area was something we kind of settled on Already really wanted to see happen. Mentoring can be uh, kind of difficult to write about because it often seems quite private. It often happens between only two people and you get some support from somebody who's a bit more advanced than you or maybe has some more experience in a particular area and it really has massive benefits. But it's often quite hard for us to know why it works even though we know that it works because we're not researching it at the same time as we're doing it. So the Exciting thing here was not only that we're putting together this new regional mentoring scheme, which was fantastic and a great moment to gather lots of great poet mentors to help us, but also that we could work as a kind of university research team to think about what's happening, to ask mentors and mentees what was going on and to see the work and then for it to feed into published research as well. So it had a really nice two-way dialogue all the way through.
1: It was also from an Artful Scribe point of view and from a Winchester Poetry point of view, part of a wider project that we were doing at the time, working through sort of an education and outreach programme. So we created a route from primary years through into secondary school, into tertiary education, and then Poetry Ambassadors was kind of like the next step whereby we could take writers who we've worked with, in the past and to give them a platform whereby they can start making those connections that they need in order to move from almost like a a grassroots aspect or a local aspect of being a poet or being a writer and to connect into sort of more of a a national network and so that's sort of quite an important element for us too.
0: So how did it take shape then once you had this idea what was the process of getting it started?
1: Uh, Well, first of all,
3: we sort of gathered a sense of like how people might lie. So we did some spots on radio and put a call out in various places. And the whole project began during lockdown. So we were aware that the whole thing was going to have to run online. And we all put our heads together to come up with some writers or mentors we thought might be helpful or come with particular perspectives. And from my point of view, I was really interested in getting people who themselves had either been mentored or were quite conscious in their own writing that this was an important part of their practice. So we were really lucky to get to part of the project. The writer and academic Aviva Deutsch, who had been part of the primers mentoring scheme herself. The Filipino-British poet Romlin Anti, who's also worked as a nurse and counsellor. So that's quite an important part of her practice. And the queer eco-poet Caleb Parkin. And having put that trio together, we then put out a call for poets from 18 to 25 And what we were looking for was not just lots of capacity to write and be excited about poetry, but also people who wanted to grow and develop themselves. So looking at people who are at the right stage to take that step of really benefiting from a year's sustained mentoring from one writer and mentor. And as we developed, we also wanted to connect all the mentors and mentees together. One of the things I found a lot in my research and definitely came through in this project is that mentoring always takes place in a bigger network. It isn't just about two people. So we wanted opportunities for the poets to all meet, for the mentors to all meet. And so a university kind of intern, so an English student from the department, did a great job of coordinating everybody, of setting up informal digital teas. And we're still that moment in lockdown where really people are not having much social activity. So it formed this really kind of important structure, I think, for the year, for all of us, I think, involved in the project.
0: What kind of uptake did you get? What, How many people were really involved in the whole thing?
3: Well, I think we had around uh, 100 people who came We did these online and also in a festival format. So at the Winchester Poetry Festival and at a conference at Mars Studios where the poets read had uh, about 20 to 30 applicants from all over the county from Hampshire and Dorset and the Sodom region as well. and been a really nice mix of people as well. In total, we had about 80 to 100 audience members who came to hear the poets read. But as we might begin to talk about later on, the book they created, Poetry Ambassadors, the pamphlet, which was published by Broken Sleep Press, is going on to be read by lots of people and having lots of impact on not just the three writers, but maybe kind of other fledgling writers in the Hampshire area who are seeing this publication and realising that actually poets from very near their neck of the woods can take their place on a national stage as well, which is great.
1: I mean, that was sort of also one of the main motivators behind it as a project is we all work in, in Hampshire and Dorset and we were like, well, where are our young writers who are being published at this kind of a level? And there's always this great confidence that it's not that we don't have great writers in Hampshire or Dorset, it's just for some reason or another, either we're not accessing them or they're not finding the right platforms in order to have their work recognised at a higher level. And Poetry Ambassadors certainly helped to create those kind of platforms for local writers.
0: Mm. I find Hampshire is such an interesting space for cultural platforms and things like that, because these kind of spaces exist seemingly in kind of pockets. And it's interesting, particularly with literature and stuff, because it's got such a rich literary history. There's so many examples of great writers who've lived here or visited, and yet there doesn't always seem to be this like really prominent culture here so projects like this seem to really help to bring that to the forefront one of the questions that i had was why the young writer audience in particular aside from the sort of like research element was there anything really motivating that audience choice
1: yeah i think so i mean i think that both the poetry festival and artful scribe we have quite a long history of working with young people and across, across art forms, really, there's pretty good engagement for 7 to 10-year-olds. There's pretty good engagement for 11 to 14-year-olds. But from 15 upwards, and it's possibly from 15 up until just under 30, engagement is really, really low because, you know, of a, of a number of factors. And often that has to do with people's exams people over having to work intensely with writing for their academic roots and so therefore this idea of writing as something that might be pleasurable may not come across to other people as something they particularly want to do.
2: I had been part of Lighthouse for a fair while during lockdown I'd sort of been doing it casually and was like you know cool I enjoy it I'd written a fair bit as a child but not like oh I'm gonna do this as a job it was just cool I like to write I do things and then the BBC new creative scheme was around and because I spent a long time insisting that I wasn't going to apply I didn't want to do an audio piece I didn't want to make a film that was not my thing I write poetry I don't do that and then I thought you know what why not? It's not going to happen anyway. Newsflash, it happened anyway. During lockdown, all of a sudden, I've been commissioned to do an audio piece on an idea that I personally at the time thought was a complete shambles. And it was an interesting experience during lockdown doing that. All online, I had the help from the wonderful Antosh, who's also part of Artsful Scribe. He was very lovely, very nice, mentored me for an entire year. And then poetry ambassadors came around and everybody was like, you should apply. And I was like, no, I'm not good enough for that. And then I did. I was convinced. I was like, OK, fine, I'll do it. I did the application and I got in, got very excited, immediately went to tell my mum. As you say, there wasn't really a lot of things around in Dorset I mean I was obviously a bit luckier to grow up in the coastal where it was a bit more of a thing obviously if you're in the rural areas I mean I haven't heard of anything in the rural parts because in my head I had the conceptions oh well people do stuff like you have to go to London places like major cities and I'm thinking well I'm not going to get to those there's no way I'm autistic London scares me a bit so it was very nice to you know have that thing in Dorset locally because you never see a lot of it and then the mentoring thing, I was like, oh, never done that before. You know,
0: it was very good, very insightful. It sounds like a fantastic route in. sounds like an incredible experience as well. So in terms of the journey so far, what have been the sort of like big successes, the big challenges
3: We've begun to talk a little bit about one of the challenges, although potentially that was something that made it more possible in lots of ways, which was doing things online. And actually, that has really transformed the landscape for literature support. And really, in the time this project took place from 2020 to 2021, festivals and literary support networks around the world were suddenly thinking, actually, there's this whole audience of people who might be really excited about creative writing, but can't get to a big city, or for accessibility reasons, might not go to a literary festival, all kinds of other reasons why might not come to things. So that was quite an exciting turning point, is actually realising the thing that we thought was going to be a challenge at the beginning was a really good kind of an open moment. It did not mean, though, that the mentors and mentees, the first time everybody met was when the three poets, April and Casey and Eve, who were doing their performance at the Winter Poetry Festival. And so that, again, was, was a challenge that they didn't have any contact beforehand. But it was so incredible to see the meeting for the first time, having spent a year developing these really close relationships and a really exciting one as well.
1: One of the first points that we came to it with is that neither Winchester Poetry Festival or Art for Scribe had any prior experience of running a mentoring scheme. And sort of one, something that we try to do is create projects that enable the possible to happen. And in order to do that, you might have some guiding ideas to act as a framework, but you kind of hold those guiding ideas up and then let other people sort of fill them with their creative vision. And so, you know, at the beginning, we have three different poets who have three different sets of mentoring experience, and we're looking for them to inform how we go about that. And they did come up with three different sets of mentoring approaches so there was nothing standard about it but you know i think that through that we were able to really make some good matches with people who would have a certain synergy in their learning styles and i think that's sort of a really important thing you know sort of we can't just make a project whereby we've got a framework and everybody fits within it because within creative spheres, that just doesn't work. But it's equally like trying to hold things that don't necessarily fit together at the time too.
0: No, it sounds like a really interesting kind of holistic approach then. So in terms of the outcome, what was the key moment where you were like, oh yeah, this has been a smash hit? I mean,
2: seeing your work in a collection is like, that's mine, I wrote that and it's in a thing and people are going to read the thing. Also, I'd never performed before, the thought of standing, not, well, in my case, sitting in front of a room full of people reading out work that I'm very personally attached to under a very blazing hot light, and everybody is looking at me. But I did do it in the end, turned out to be far better than I expected. It gave me a nice some um, old adrenaline rush, I thought, brilliant, and then I now sort of do it every now and again, simply for the rush I get afterwards. It's still absolutely terrifying when I do it, but I feel nice about it for a bit afterwards. So it was a very big step out of my comfort zone in many ways, because I think it's just very nice to have a second pair of eyes, because especially when you're looking at your own stuff, it's very easy to be critical of it. and, And I miss the good parts, the parts that work. So it was very good to have that fresh pair of eyes to see things and teach me new things that I wouldn't have known how to do myself or really figure out. So it's very good.
0: Sometimes it can be nice as a creative to hear, you know, you've done a good job. (laughs) Like I I think often, yeah, a lot of creative people are very self-critical, especially something like poetry, which is very personal. It can be a bit daunting to get feedback. But when you have someone say, actually, this is working really nicely, it's very exciting.
1: That's, I think that's a, an absolute strength of it as a program was to see these three very accomplished young poets take the stage, and for them not to be out of place in any way amongst a festival lineup that featured international, national level writers. Here were these three writers from our region, quite comfortably shoulder to shoulder with them. So for me, that's an absolute thrill.
3: Yeah, there were definitely uh, definitely tears in the audience. Not just from the people who had followed the three writers and mentors all the way through. People who had come along to the festival and came every year to hear professional poets just could not believe that these incredible writers were very much from the that they came from, speaking in their voice. And so young, they were really, really excited by the performance. So I think it's something which will stay with the audience for a very long time.
0: Sounds very moving, like a very like a moment. You know, sounds really good. So. For, for each of you, you know, we're we obviously representing Hampshire Libraries. wanted to ask what the kind of personal or even professional significance of libraries are to, to each of you.
3: Well, this project itself culminated in the Winchester Discovery Centre. So it was very much around the Hampshire Library that the mentors and mentees finally met. But one of the engines of this project for me had actually been the thought that all these relationships that have gone on over time between poets and the mentors. Have often been recorded in libraries and are available, but kind of hidden. So there are lots of archives, say, of publishers like Lodax Books at the library in Newcastle University or sometimes through organisations like Arvon, who have kept an archive, which they've now given to the university at Vexter Library. So the kind of sense that actually there are all these secrets hidden in this library and because, you know, they're quite new archives, people are still sort of thinking about what might be hidden in them and what kind of knowledge there might be for writers and what they can learn from their kind of immediate predecessors about how we support each other, what kind of feedback you might get, even how to send off a book to a literary agent, which actually, you know, one way you could find that is is going to library and seeing how people have done it 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, in the past. So I was quite excited in doing the academic research for this project, in seeing what incredible resources we have across UK libraries to think not just about how mentoring works now, but how it's worked in the past.
1: My relationships with libraries is from a child. We were sort of taken along to libraries by our parents. And there was always this great thrill at being able to take out this stack of books and to be able to select things at random. So you didn't quite know what you were going to get. And so that's sort of like an abiding memory. My parents are both from very much working class backgrounds. And my father was always of the mind that if he wanted to know how to do anything, you just needed to get a book out on the library wasn't a thing that you couldn't do it you just needed to know where to go in the library to get the book to find out how to do it so we were very much brought up with that frame of mind and then as a as a parent myself taking my daughter to story time and all of that kind of thing from that primary age so from a personal point of view there are all these connections. And then you know, from an organisational point of view, we've worked with the libraries on a great deal of projects over the years, primarily with Summer Reading Challenge, using that as an opportunity to help local writers to learn and develop their skills as workshop hosts and to be able to share that passion with a new generation. We worked with the University of Southampton on some training for doing that kind of work. We run our women's writing groups at the libraries and you know we're constantly looking at those different ways in which we can work in partnership we did a project with the tiger who came to tea as a tea party trail with a writer in residence so we could really do sort of writers in residence with libraries as well
2: i grew up in dorset so i used the dorset libraries my mum is an avid bookworm so libraries were frequent i think we must have went weekly for a long time I grew up on the summer reading challenges. It was a very exciting thing to me to figure out what the theme would be and then get all the stickers and then get the certificates and the medals. I had a great time doing those. And I think it was quite sad when I couldn't do them anymore because I got too old. I read a lot because I had those as a kind of motivation. I was quite lucky to have Hamworthy library right next to my school. So it was very easy to just go to the library after school. A lot of kids did do that. And as much as my university library has become a second home, as I think it does for a lot of students, so I am very familiar with
0: my university library,
2: (laughs) which I suppose is a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, late night study sessions, get the caffeine in. And in terms of this project in particular, are there any plans for the future? Is it going to be repeated? Is it going to be adjusted? What's the next step? World domination, maybe?
3: Well, certainly it seems that for the poets who took part, that seems on the card. So we've got Casey Hill was one of our three poets who's being mentored in her first connections coming out with Blood Axe books in a couple of months' time, hot sauce. That'll be really exciting to see. Then we're sort of in, in conversations, Winchester Poetry Festival and myself and artful scribe to kind of think about are the best way to take things forward because I think one of the things I'm coming up against not against but kind of thinking through in research is how mentoring can benefit as many people as possible and in some ways it's the tailored quality of it in fact it can be really bespoke that's so really excellent but you also think about how can you take some of the benefits of that and help support a wider range of people as well beyond the one-to-one relationship so it's yeah ongoing I'm sure the um, the poetry shelves will be filling up soon with the work of our three uh, mentor poets
0: Well, that's it. I mean, at the library, there's never enough space for books, but we can definitely make room for a good old like Hampshire anthology or something like that. That'd be good. What about you, Eve? What's next on the horizon? I don't like to make any promises because what I'm very good at is starting things and then
2: never finishing them ever. So I could be like, cool, I'm going to write a pamphlet or something and then it will never happen because a lot of things get started and then I don't look at them again for whatever reason that may be. You would cry if you saw my Google Chrome tabs. I have so many writing tabs open, it's actually quite scary to the point they don't fit anymore. And some of them are like, they're very old, but I'm insisting that I will look at them again at some point. And it's like, no, you won't. You haven't looked at them for like months or even a year at this point. But it's basically just a graveyard. I've had to pin ones that I know I probably will come back to now because otherwise I know I'm going to lose them all. So my Google Chrome's a bit of a graveyard of writing things that I've started and then I write a
0: poem and go I'll edit that and then I never edit it. It's going to be a mystery every time you go into your browser you're like what am I going to encounter today what was this? Thank you for your time and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here.
3: Thanks so much for posting us out. It's brought back many happy memories uh, thinking about this project. So I'm going to go back to the poetry ambassador's book now and read the poems again and be excited about the future.